Welcome to the Global Village Law and Money Podcast, where we help foreign nationals build a successful life in the United States. I'm your host, Shannon McNulty, a tax and estate attorney in New York City, and I'm joined by my co-host, Steve Maggi, an immigration attorney in St. Petersburg, Florida. In each episode, we share insights gained from advising thousands of foreign nationals moving to or living in the United States. From how to get a green card to saving money on taxes, we provide valuable tips on building wealth, protecting your family, and navigating the U.S. immigration system. We're so glad you could join us today. Let's get started. Hi, this is Shannon McNulty. Welcome to the Global Village Law & Money podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Steve Maggi. And today we're going to be talking about U.S. gift and estate taxes and what you need to know about this type of tax and how you can make sure or try to make sure that uh, you avoid or minimize the taxes as much as necessary. Yeah, thanks, Shannon. Oh, I, I love co-hosting this show. And I think everyone that I work with on my side is going to be interested in this information because these are concepts that don't necessarily translate to the countries that they come from or they're coming from. Uh, and people don't realize that, right? Every country has a different system on a tax level, on a trust and estate level, uh, legal, the legal, the codes and the, the laws are all very different. So it's really important for people to understand this so they can protect their assets and, and, and better plan. And even when they're in the U.S., better plan starting today for tomorrow, you know. Yes, absolutely. And um, these taxes, a lot of times maybe people are talking about or they are aware of income taxes. And that's what they think about when they think about taxes and whether they have to pay taxes as a resident. And there's a whole is U.S. resident and there's a whole pest of different factors of what goes into that. But the estate tax is really different. And so even though you may not be a U.S. resident for income tax purposes, you may be for an for estate tax purposes. And the vice versa, you may be a U.S. income tax resident, but not a resident for U.S. estate tax purposes. And also there may be treaties that apply to income taxes for your country, but not to estate taxes. So this is an area where there's definitely a lot of confusion and it's also a trap for the unwary because this can be really draconian in some situations. So it's Mm -hmm. important to kind of understand how it works and where you can fall into some pitfalls and have a, a, a pretty bad outcome for your family. Which I think feeds into that first question that I was going to ask you today. The pitfalls are what we're trying to avoid, right? So that's one of the reasons I'm imagining that it's important for our listeners to know what U.S. gift and estate taxes are. And maybe you could just explain a little bit because I think people think, oh, I got a gift for my birthday or I got a gift for Christmas. And why should there be anything related to taxes? You know, it's it's much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And really, when we're talking about gifts or estates, it's often it's called a transfer tax. And so it is really anytime money is transferred from one person to another, that's when this tax can come into play. Wow. Okay. So it's not here's a here's a new uh, iPhone. It's here's $100,000 that I'm gifting to you that will now be now essentially pertain to you and be under your control and possession. 
Yes. And it's quite, you know, like the the iPhone is probably, we don't have to worry too much about the iPhone, but, um, but anything that is over really now that we're looking at like fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars $17,000. Um, so it doesn't even have to be like really large. I mean, that's relative here, but um, it doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands of dollars that it can come into a, a effect even when you have some smaller amounts. So, um, so yeah, so I think that the first thing is to just kind of understand the broad framework of how these taxes work. And then we could talk a little bit about how it breaks down depending on what your visa status is and how, how it plays into immigration as well. What about just the word estate? Like, what does that mean? That's not a word that translates well to other legal systems. What does that mean in the U.S. legal context? Sure. An estate is what you leave behind when you pass away. So all of your assets is what your estate is and when it's going to somebody else. So you no longer own it because you're not there anymore. And so that is the estate. And the estate administration process is the process of transferring those assets to whoever it is who's inheriting them. Got it. Yeah. And I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast about jurisdictional issues because I'm fascinated with my clients who have a residence in another country, born in another country, but then depending on whether they're green card holders or they're dual citizens or they're here temporarily on different visas, this probably also has a shift dynamic to it as well. And also probably the state where they're residing. So yes, all of that comes into play. So estate taxes apply when you pass away and, um, and then there can be a tax on the transfer from your name to the name of your heirs. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about estate taxes. Got it. Okay. So that I guess that leads me into the next question. And I'm sure this is uh, based on circumstances, but who's the person paying these gift and estate taxes? If the person who has an estate passes away, then they can't pay their taxes, right? Because they're no longer with us. So who? how does that work? Yeah, so technically the estate pays the taxes, but for kind of all intents and purposes, that's really the beneficiaries, whoever is inheriting it. But the estate itself is who is liable primarily for the taxes. And why that's important is that if you're the executor of a state of an estate, you're responsible for making sure that those taxes are paid before any distributions go out. And if if you have a, an account with the financial institution, they may hold it back before until they get clearance from the IRS that everything is okay so that they can distribute the money and, um, and make sure that they're not going to be on the hook because in some cases, the financial institution can be on the hook if they distribute money out as part of an estate and mm-hmm. that beneficiary that there was the appropriate estate tax was weren't paid. Does the gift, since we're talking also about gift taxes, is that only something that applies when someone is alive and they're gifting something, to gifting money to someone? Or does it also apply in posthumous situations as well? Yeah, so gifts only apply while you're alive. Okay. However, the gift and estate tax often work together in tandem. Mm. So, for example... And we'll use the a scenario of just a U.S. person, because just to make things simple, the estate tax exemption currently at the federal level is about almost $13 million right now. 
So it's really high by historical standards. And even under current law, that's going to go down to around 6 million at the end of 2025. So many, I hate to get into the weeds. That big, that's a huge drop. That's more than 50%. That means that they're they're probably quadrupling their pool of potential, potentially taxable estates, right? At least, at least, because it kind of exponentially decreases exactly. you know, as, mm-hmm. as you go up. So the estate is, if you have assets that are over that, we'll say $13 million when you pass away, then there's going to be a tax on any amount that's over that threshold. Makes sense. Okay. So if the estate tax exemption is $13 million and you have $14 million, then there's going to be a 40% tax on that $1 million. Got it. Right. It's what's left over, I guess, what the difference is. Uh, And in terms of the gift, you said sometimes they overlap. Does that mean, let's say, a gift was given, but then someone passes away, and so it sort of rolls over into the estate part of the tax? Kind of. So that exemption, whether Mm -hmm. it be $13 or $6 that's a lifetime exemption. So we refer to it often as an estate tax exemption, but it's really a lifetime transfer exemption. Okay. That means that, again, we'll use the the 13 million. If I gift away $10 million during my life, and then I have another $4 million that I have left upon my death, then you've used up the $10 million of exemption. So now you only have $3 million of exemption left. Right. Because otherwise people will be on their deathbed giving away as much as they can at a lower tax threshold. to So their, their loved ones get have more in their pocket after they pass. It makes sense exactly. to avoid exactly. that. Happening. It's kind of like an anti-avoidance type of thing. Of course. They don't want it, everybody to just give away everything and then, um, and then they can avoid the tax completely. Okay. I, I currently am working on a case where a person is in the U S on an F1 visa and they want to start a business. They're getting an MBA and they're really interested in buying a franchise and their uncle wants to gift them the sufficient funds to cover the what, what's called the investment funds or the, the initial investment in order to qualify for an investor visa. And so this, is, this all is interesting because one is residing in the U.S. temporarily, the other one lives abroad. Uh, I'm not sure what the mechanisms of that are, but they should they should probably be aware that there could be a tax that's applied to this too for a gift, correct? Yes. And especially this is where the immigration piece of this comes mm-hmm. into play. And so, right. so often as in our conversations, we talk about and we start talking about taxes and we talk about immigration and we talk about immigration and start talking about taxes or estate planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just another area where your immigration status has a whole lot of effect on what your tax consequences are going to be. Right. So primarily, and this is like a huge, huge difference. So like I just talked to you, told you right now, uh, we have an estate tax exemption of 13 million and see they're 13 million or 6 million. Anyway, it's a lot. Like most people aren't going to be in that bucket, um, even if it's 6 million. And just to be clear, what that is looking at is your worldwide assets. So it's not just your assets in the U.S., it's assets wherever you own them. 
Oh, well, that, that was my question 3A that I had that I had written on the side is that question. <laughs> so that is that's really important. And that that's that sort of goes hand in hand with the, with the tendencies we've seen in the past 10 plus years with the FBAR and all these different requirements where you have to report your foreign assets and foreign income and everything else, even when you're residing in the U.S., even if you're a green card holder, right? Exactly, exactly. And that gift that we were talking about, that mm-hmm. if if you receive it, if you receive a gift, you have to report that. So that's there's not there's nothing Christmassy or or holiday or birthday esque about this. Everyone's paying extra for being generous. It sounds like. it's not no it's it's not a very cheerful topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you anticipated my next question, which was how do you and your family members know if you'll have to pay the estate taxes? When, when a loved one passes away. And then I guess that has to do with that threshold and how much already has been gifted and doing that calculation. And I guess those numbers will shift too if the, if the number goes from 13 to six. I'm guessing you're, you're going you're gonna to have some very interesting cases where people might have gifted more than six, but less than 13. And then I don't know what would happen in that scenario. Actually, they already address that issue of they're not going to okay. call that back. So you're, you're not That would be really that. unfair. Yeah, yeah, but you're still going to have used up all of your exemption. The other thing I want to make sure that we we touch on, because this is really important, is that when I'm talking about like your immigration status makes a lot of difference in terms of what uh, how this tax affects you, is that for the exemption for the, the U.S. person, and this U.S. person means you are a U.S. citizen or you basically have a permanent home here for purposes of the estate tax. And okay. you're taxed on your worldwide assets, but again, you have that exemption. So we'll, we'll say it's $6 million. You have that exemption. And, and only if it goes with your worldwide assets, plus your life insurance, I should add that in because often that can push you over, um, mm-hmm. exceed that exemption, you're going to have taxes. If you are not a U.S. person, meaning you are not a U.S. citizen and you are not a your, your permanent home isn't the U.S. Does, does that then, mean Shannon LPR legal permanent resident status? Is that is that the bright line? Is that sort of the cutoff? If you're an LPR or U.S. citizen, then automatically this applies to you, or is it not that? Is it not that black or white? It's not that black and white, and that's yeah. where a lot of times we see confusion between because if yeah. the income tax test that it is a black and white is it is a bright one nice. either you're a resident or you're not as long right. as you know they count the days and if you're physical a presence resident, test right yes physical presence a substantial presence test i think it is too right so that's what that's what really governs here not if you are a green card holder or not per se so that does not govern here so that applies to income taxes but it does not apply to estate taxes or get taxes. And the test here is whether you, where you live is you have the intention of staying there with no definite plans to leave. Okay. Don't you love those subjective legal standards that can be abused by anybody? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely. In whatever way they feel like. <laughs> yeah, it can be either like really confusing or it can be opportunities for planning, right? Because, okay. Yes, that's why, we, that's why people need us, Shannon, you and I, for these gray area situations. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, this whole, this whole area, it's not a DIY kind of thing, right? As you oh, can goodness, see. no. Not unless so, you want to do it DIY, 
W do it wrong and then you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. And I've seen it, unfortunately, many times. So if you're a U.S. person, uh, like yeah. I said, like you're living here and planning to stay here, mostly, yeah. you know, and if you're in, or if you're a U.S. citizen, you as a U.S. citizen, you're always going to be a U.S. person. If you have a green card, most likely you're going to be a U.S. person because that requires that you plan to stay here. Then we have sort of some gray areas where it's H-1B visa. Maybe you plan to stay here. Maybe you don't. There's a couple other types of visas. Um, Yeah, the L-1 also, those dual intent, those are called dual intent visas. And those are also kind of gray area as well. So they give it's better for the purposes of getting a green card, but it also it's that inferred intent to make the US your permanent residence is the same. I guess that's where it overlaps. Yeah. Yeah. So those were really looking at facts and circumstances. But if you're here on a visa that requires you to go back, then you you can't be planning to stay here. Then you're likely not going to be considered a resident for U.S. estate tax purposes. And that means you're not subject to estate tax on your worldwide assets, but you are subject still to estate taxes on your U.S.-based assets. And the key here is that your exemption in that case is not $6 million. It's not $12 million. It's $60,000. What? Yes. That's 0.005% or something of the, the the amounts we're already talking about. That's that's enough barely to live on if you're if you're living in unless you're living in South Dakota or something. So you can't buy a parking space in New York City for sure. For that. <laughs> so if you have brokerage okay. accounts here, if you have if you have any real estate for sure here, then those things are going to be subject to, if you are not a U.S. citizen, they still will be subject to a state tax and you will only have that $60,000 exemption. And we see this more often than we'd like with our clients that overlap too, is people come here, even if they come here with a temporary intention, they may stay for five or 10 years, but then they they don't move back to their home country because they pass away for whatever reason. And then this is what happens if they haven't planned accordingly. So that actually- Even a lot of times people will be move here for a few years or so, and they'll say, oh, I'm going to buy real estate here. It's a great investment Mm -hmm. and I can have it for when I come and visit or when I come here on business and they buy the buy a condo in New York City or in Miami or wherever. And then they don't really think anything of it in terms of, okay, this this is this is a great investment, not realizing that it can half of it can kind of end up being going to the government if something happens to you and you pass away. Unbelievable. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. How do we pre- practice prevention for our clients? So what are what are the some of the things that they can do to avoid re- or reduce these estate taxes or their, you know, their exposure to them? So if you're a U.S. resident then there's types of irrevocable trust that we can put in place. A lot of times we'll put life insurance in an irrevocable trust to get it out of your uh, out of your estate. But there are also other other types of strategies that we can use. There's a trade-off generally in terms of this planning between taxes and control. And so the tax the tax planning is not generally simple. 
And then there can have a lot of questions as to how much do you want to give up in terms of the control. So there are a lot of strategies, uh, but it is complex state tax planning. So you, you need to kind of get in the weeds with that. And then in terms of if you're not a U.S. person, the biggest thing is just be really careful about how you're holding your assets. So mm. where are they based? I mean, is it a good idea to open a brokerage account here? If you do, don't hold U.S. stocks, don't hold certain bonds. Uh, so there are certain types of, and you have to, you, you want to look asset by asset as to whether it's considered a U.S. asset. So you can hold in a brokerage account here, foreign stocks, and that's not going to be counted as a U.S. asset. But so you want to be really careful. And our investments industry is investment services here, financial services is really robust. And so we attract a lot of capital from other countries that just it's a lot cheaper. It's, it's just a lot more efficient in terms of the services and, and the options that you have. But you have to be really careful in terms of ending up with some uh, bad tax consequences. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, the one thing I love about our podcast and every time we have interactions where we speak about the law, I'm always learning something new. And this $60,000 threshold that you that you mentioned, it really there really is a dividing line here. And if you're on one side, which is the non-resident versus resident, it's a huge gap. And I think that people who are here temporarily on those visas that are not designed to, you know, eventually become permanent resident status platforms. Uh, I don't think they ever really think about this. So I, I, I'm very grateful that you're opening a lot of eyes because I think that's extremely important for people. Even if they're thinking I'll be here for three years or five years, if they're going to accumulate any assets or buy a property or try to feel more at home and work with people locally, like like investment brokers, then they really need to look out for this. Absolutely. And so even for if you are investing in the markets here, make sure you work with somebody who a financial advisor who is really familiar and has expertise in this area, because I've just seen too many that they'll just go and online even or calling up a and I'll bit, won't name the financial institutions, but some of them will right. just open that account for you and not tell you that there's going to be a huge issue with this if if you pass away. Of course, so we see that all the time. They're thinking about themselves and not the like we do, looking out for the long term well being of their own, of their clients. And that, yeah. that's yeah, you have to be really careful. And then in terms of if you're going to buy real estate here, sometimes I'll have clients who they their family wants to help them buy real estate, maybe put the parent on the deed and that you just have to be really careful of unless we have a really good treaty with that country. There's ways that you can plan around it, but they're they're cumbersome, you know, and, and they're expensive. So you can do a revocable trust, you can do different types of corporations, uh, but the most important thing is just talk to somebody, talk to a professional before you open a brokerage account, before you definitely before you purchase any real estate here. You just want to make sure before you do any gifting, just want to make sure that you get the advice before you take the action. The same theme pops up in the same take home lesson in all our podcasts. Do not improvise. Yeah, because like once that you can't unring that bill, you know, once the money is transferred, it's really right. hard to, you know, and the gift has been made and they've already done the transaction. They give me a do over. Yeah. So hard to unwind that transaction. So definitely kind of that 
<laughs> a common refrain that we we have of get the advice before you uh, before you take action. It Absolutely. can save you a whole lot of trouble and headache and money. Shannon, thanks for enlightening us and, and the viewers on, on all this. It's hugely important. And uh, I always enjoy our talks. Looking forward to the next one. Me too. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Global Village Law & Money Podcast. For more tips on protecting your family and building wealth in the U.S., subscribe to the Global Village Law & Money newsletter by visiting www.globalvillagelaw.com.